0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books and Popular Culture, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Woke, host of the channel, and today we'll be talking to Dr. Geraint Darcy about his book, Mise scene Acting and Space in Comics, published in 2020 in Palgrave Macmillan's Studies in Comics and Graphic Novels series. Dr. Grant Darcy is a lecturer in media practice at the School of Art, Media and American Studies at the University of East Anglia in the UK. And he is a member of the comic studies research group. He also wrote critical approaches to TV and film set design in 2018. And he currently works across several courses at the University of South Wales. Mise-en-scène, acting, and space in comics discusses the mise en scène as a concept used in comic studies around the areas of the setting, the acting, and the frame of the comics. Dr. Darcy draws on recent developments in theory of film and theater to explore and reevaluate elements of comics composition and asks what comics theory can bring to the theories of theater and film studies. He bridges comics and theater theories, then explores issues of visual language and graphic narratives, particularly around the idea of staging in terms of depiction, as well as the concepts of phenomenological immensity in the out of field in the profilmic and consequently speculates about the pro-graphic in comics. The conversation then turns to acting in comics and the position of characters in comics as materially similar to the other figurative elements in the comic, but warns the methods and approaches to understanding their performance within the graphic narrative, draw upon and question ideas of cognition, representation, and mimesis. The final chapter deals with space and the position of the audience or reader in regards to the comic's action and suggests ways in which the depth of a comic's graphic narrative can be understood through the way that the action is staged in the depiction. He asks... What if we treated comics as if they were staging a narrative event, and argues that the paper actors can be understood through acting methodologies, and a remapping of space through mise-en-scene means a remapping of space in comics. In this interview, you'll hear Dr. Darcy cover other inspirations from the worlds of theater, film, and comics, talk about the materiality of puppets and comics, and bring up the mystery of what's inside Snoopy's doghouse. So, Dr. Grant Darcy, welcome to the show. And Grant, could you please start us off by saying a little bit about yourself and your academic journey?
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for thanks for having me here. Um, so, my my academic journey is a, a is a bit of an unusual one. Um, I I started out as um, as someone who's looking at, uh, at the aesthetics of theatre technology. Um, for, for my PhD. So, so I was working, I was working in theater as a, as a technician and as a scenographer. Um, so so like a, a stage designer, but kind of a holistic stage designer. And, um, I was, I was writing about stage technology and investigating that. Um, and that really was about history and about aesthetics and about technology and philosophy. So that's what I was doing. And I was teaching drama, t- teaching theater studies and, and, and doing that. And, um, I had a cohort of students within the kind of the general sort of introduction to textual analysis type thing um, that who were um, film and television students. Um, And uh, they they were design students for film television set design. Um, And while trying to incorporate stuff for them to benefit from in the module, I realized that they had, that there wasn't anything about TV and film set design. I thought that's, that's that's an incredible omission. I should, I should kind of, fill in that, I'll fill in that gap. Um, So I did. Um, And I wrote, I started writing a book called um, Critical Approaches to TV and Film Set Design. Um, And that was, that was all well and good and done. And I wrote some modules that were specifically for those students and was delivering that and delivering the texture analysis for theatre and drama as well. So my, my kind of repertoire for teaching design and theatre and drama was getting quite wide. Um, And then um, my friend, Brian Fajance, Dr. Brian Fajance at University of South Wales, um, and I was at University of South Wales with him at the time. Um, wanted to do something on comics and wanted to do symposium. And we um, we did a, a Cardiff symposium on creating comics and creative comics. So from the point of view of of, of making comics itself as it sort of practice research, um, and a bunch of people turned up. And, and what what was interesting for me um, was that like I'm a massive comics fan. Um, like really, really interested in the comics all the time and comics adaptations, um, but it hadn't occurred to me that I should be maybe writing about comics or comic studies. I knew that it existed, but I wasn't doing it. Um, and everyone was getting up and and talking about these these things, and I was just facilitating around the workshops. I, I I was trying to I was I was supporting my friend and 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 su- supporting the research of my friend and the the research of the department in terms of of art and comics and animation. Um, and I realized that everyone was using these terms that I was really familiar with, like they were talking about mise en scene in comics, um, but they were talking about it really oddly, uh, in a, in a way that just did not fit with my understanding of mise en scene. By that time, my, my understanding of mise en scene was like, I'm ready to talk about mise en scene. And, and, and they were not talking about it in that way. And they were talking about space. In an unusual way as well, and and space was like well that was you know a big section of my PhD was about space, about the aesthetics of space, the idea of of hiding things and in insides and outsides and immensity and that type of thing, and I realised that there was there was clearly a common language between film and television sets and design and production design and art direction and um, theatre design and theatre sonography um, and and and, and those things were being used by comic studies in a way that was very, very familiar, but also completely alien to me. And it made me think, well, who are they drawing upon to talk about this? Where's, where's the disconnect come in because they're talking about it in a strange way and using mise-en-scene as a term, as if it, it, as if it's going to be helpful to them. Um, And what, what was, what was odd was that in theatre and indeed in film, mise-en-scene is kind of, um, it is really misunderstood, uh, and it's misunderstood in film and, and in television, and it's misunderstood in the theatre as well. Um, and everyone has slightly different definitions of it, and they think they know what they're talking about. And so does comic studies. And I realised that no, nope, no one does. I need to pull these things together to talk about this stuff and unpick it a bit more, and to try and um, oh, to to try and make sense of it in a way that would contribute to film and to theater and to comics at the same time because they're all visual media and they should be talking to each other and it just made sense to me to kind of do that um so i wrote mise-en-scene acting in space in comics uh because if you talk about mise-en-scene you've also got to talk about space uh, and if you're talking about space and mise-en-scene then these things are, sort of exist in that space that's that's the actors we, we've got to talk about that and if that exists then maybe there's actors in comics as well because there's characters in comics as well and so then yeah so then it kind of expanded the idea from that so that, that that's how i got here anyway
0: perfect and that would be great if we can lead into explaining uh, or elaborating on for our listeners what exactly is the mise-en-scene in comics as it appears in comic studies
1: right so um uh so When hitherto, before the book, (laughs) mise-en-scene was was about decoupage, was about breakdown, was about looking at the the frame of the comic, so it's a comics frame, and um, kind of semiotically uh, picking out all the denotations and working out what the connotations are. Um, And that that was about the extent that it was. And sometimes it would suggest that um, there were connections beyond that, but essentially it was a starting point for a close reading, uh that what that wasn't kind of content analysis that wasn't um cognitive theory it was um that let's look at this frame and and think about what's in that frame and then then move on to other things um what what it tended not to do though was to experience uh, a connectedness of those frames together um and it's uh it it was it was cursory (laughs) It, it what it didn't realize was that it that um that there are problems in doing that in comics because sometimes there's not a lot of information within the frame so you'd get you'd get might get a mise analysis like a light mise analysis of some manga uh or of some uh, marvel comics um but you wouldn't necessarily get a mise analysis of calvin and Hobbes or garfield or snoopy or peanuts um and i i, I think actually no you, you could do that you could do that kind of mise analysis but not necessarily um, in, in the same way or for, for the same ends. So ba- basically what, what we need to do with comics is to take it back to the idea of what mise-en-scene is in the first place to actually think about that. And that means going right the way back to the 19th century theater, I think, and to say mise-en-scene is putting into the scene, um, which then makes you think, well, if it's not, if it's not putting into the frame, if it's putting into the scene, what constitutes a, f- a scene within a comic um, because then you've got four panel strips uh, for say uh, a, a run of um, a run of Calvin and Hobbes or you've got like say nine panel strips for um, Nancy or something like that it's like well that's the scene um, and if it changes the location then maybe that's a different scene but, and if it changes between panels then, then those differences are something that we can pick up on and then it's not necessarily just looking at the frame and taking isolated examples it would be like and, and in fact what comic studies was doing with analysis, in my opinion before this was saying i'll just take this frame it'd be like saying i'll just take this one sentence from this sonnet um and unpick this one sentence and i'm like well, what about the rest of the poem what about the rest of the book um what, what about the rest of the you know th- this thing that you're holding in your hands um it's more than just like picking at it and then kind of cherry picking the detail that you want there, there, there's access there to a a great deal of reading that you that we didn't necessarily know about before
0: thank you I think that's a, a great summary and a great background into like the history of the term and the concept in comic studies as well and um I know you talk a lot about narrative in the book but when we're using the mise-en-scene as a tool to understand comics text just mm. beyond being a starting point for a close reading um what understanding are we really gaining access to there
1: uh, in, t- in terms of narrative and things or yeah <laughs> um mise en scene allows us to to both be uh, a critic of the things that we are reading but it also allows us access to ideas of creation as well so there's there's a thing in there's a thing in film studies um called mise en scene which which we're familiar with if if we look at films and we have done A level media or or, or degree level film studies or whatever um but we we have mise en scene and and that's the decoupage that's the breaking down of of this, of the scene into its constituent elements of the lighting and the sound and the blocking, uh, etc. And that that's great. And we can do the same thing in comics as as we discussed about looking at the frame or, or looking at lots of the frames or the sequence of images and all the different details of all the sequence of images. Um, what Mise en scene does uh, is is also offer us access to a way of making something as well. And this is a um, this is the thing which is contentious in film. Because mise en scène used to be a style of filmmaking, so you used to get people like um, Douglas Sirk, uh, or to, to a certain extent some some bits of Alfred Hitchcock, uh, and and you know some some big classic filmmaking names that we're all very f- familiar with from the early part of the twentieth century, used mise en scène as in they very deliberately staged the action that we were watching, and choreographed it. And blocked it all out and everyone was moving in the right place at the right time. And it was all very well thought through. That now nowadays looks really, really clunky if we do that. And I think that like the most common example that I can think of that everybody knows about, that everyone was like be like, oh right, that's what he's doing, um, would be Wes Anderson and Wes Anderson's films. Now, obviously, he's like working with a lot of people in order to to produce this type of style. But he has a very distinct style. It's very, very mise-en-scène. It's very precise. It's it's very laboured. Um, it looks it looks very, very formalistic. Um, it reminds us that what we are watching is very, very choreographed. Um, we get a similar thing with with Greta Gerwig's films as well. Actually, that kind of uh, Visual style, visual formalism of of like we we can we can see the precision of all the moves and the the machinations of what is going on within the scene. Um, if we apply that to comics, uh, that's a way of thinking through exactly what's going to happen in our comic. Um, so what like what are we going to draw? How are we going to stage it? How is the world constructed in order to make sense? Um, and that's the same whether it's a whether it's a three panel strip two dimension with virtually no background whatsoever or if it's like a really really detailed um uh hyper realistic comic um or, or like or like an adventure comic or a fantasy comic like monstrous or something like that, that that's really kind of like like viscerally detailed and things like that you've still got to plan it out you've still got to think through like where these people are staged how they how they move how they work and in in, in comics that's actually really helpful um, in film it's not so helpful because the like everyone wants to do kind of freestyle now so everything is like broad brush strokes people are just milling about saying rhubarb in the background and it's it actually to somebody that looks at this stuff a lot it looks like a mess uh but but for someone um but but in comics it's like it's it's a it's a really good access point to then start thinking well how how am I going to stage this scene how am I going to move these characters about what do I want them to make them do where do I now need to put the speech bubbles in order to not block out what I want the what the want the reader reader slash audience to see um yeah so that there's there's something then about Msson that's about um that has a fluidity between it's both a method of criticism. And that method of criticism then becomes a method of deconstruction or reverse engineering, whereby we can then think, well, how would I make my own comic? Um, Or how would I, you know, the more comics I read, the more, more examples I can see. Well, that splash page works beautifully. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that, that set of, of, of motion or that, that repeated image, that canon image across the page or that reversal then order to do something similar. Um, And, and you, you work out then how to make better comics, how to make better kind of, visual narratives happened.
0: And Grant, do you draw comics?
1: I, I, I yes, kind of. <laughs> I did, I did for this. I, I, like, I, I, yeah, so <laughs> I design, I draw, I draw things. I, I'm not very good at drawing people, but I design spaces and I design sets. So I do a lot of drawing, usually architectural type things. Um, but for, for this, I do quite a few comics, um, called, called that I called Meta and I posted on Instagram just to kind of explore the the thinking of it because I was in lockdown as well, so it was like driving me insane. Uh, so like have comics about doing the same thing every day and, and like every panel's the, the same and there's loads of going up the stairs and then getting to bed and then going through all the lectures notes that I had to deliver. Um, or I do things like um, walk, like people people being on and off panel um, or going behind things. Um, I'm fascinated by by Snoopy's dog kennel, right? Because there's there's an on and an off, and there's an up and a an the down in that space. Because because Woodstock will fly in um, from from outside of that panel, but there's also an inside. And if there's an inside, like who knows what's in there? It could be vast. Uh, and I find, and I I love the I love that in those very foreshortened comics, I, um, like the, the the unspeakable things that could just be behind that. Behind that wall. Um, that's just out of sight, that's just below um, John's waist in Garfield. What's below the counter? He's not wearing any trousers. I don't know. It could be anything horrific. <laughs> we just we just don't know. Food for thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so uh if I can uh return so Definitely going to check out Meta. And if I can return to the the technical aspects of your book, um, The Mystery of What's Under the Table. um, You note that, uh, well, you you directly quote uh, theater theorist Patrice Pavis. Please correct Mm -hmm. my pronunciation if that's wrong. uh, That, and I quote, mise en scene can be used to resist the pull of cultural relativism, subjectivity, and nebulous postmodernity through the aforementioned precise and exhaustive semiotic description. So, uh, have your thoughts evolved on this or change on this? Can we still use it to resist the pull of cultural relativism? We we can.
1: Um, I think for for Pavey writing that one, that one's written like mid eighties, <laughs> mid eighties, late seventies. I think I can't remember, but he's he's basically trying to establish the idea of performance analysis and performance studies. So that's, that's slightly different from theatre studies. Um, so theater studies like the study of the literary form with like, and then produced on stage was performance analysis will look at different performative forms. Um, and I think he, what he wanted to do was, um, what he wanted to do was to give us access to being able to criticize things like Italian opera and, um, Japanese bunraku, uh, which is like a rear form rod puppet, puppeting, um, and that you know two very very different forms he wanted to give us an access point whereby we can look at both of those things and say this is the way to not disparage one thing against the other um which is great uh but obviously mison is is about like in terms of analysis about decoupage is about breaking something down and working out how it's like like saying what all the component parts are that it so you do that into denotations if you're doing it into a semiotic analysis which we usually do um you break it down into in, into its denotations but then of course the connotations are your connotations so there's still going to be cultural relativism um and i suppose like in in terms of being postmodern people we 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 are supposed to be very careful about how we do those things and to to second guess ourselves to to double check and to try and resist cultural relativism but obviously semiosis can be used to be um like really fascist at the same time. It's just like it's just not something you, you should strive to be because obviously that's bad. Um but what you what you meant to do is to to try and use it to balance these things out. You say here is an example of the, of this type of uh, performance or this type of comic and this is a comic from a from a different culture. Um what are the commonalities, or or, or not even what the commonalities are, but what are the the conventions set up by this kind of set of comics whereby we can understand it? And what are the conventions set up by this set of comics by which we can understand them? Um, We can understand both of those distinct things um, through business and analysis. We don't necessarily um, have to compare them or link them or do anything that that would, you know, gallop towards cultural relativism. because yeah so, so, it's, so it's a method of it's a method of kind of checking ourselves is what Pavi wanted and was offering to performance uh, performance studies because because at the time you know, people would would kind of ha- would happily dismiss um Bhutto or African mask uh, African masquerades and things like that so so like Gese mask theaters and stuff and people were just like oh, but we don't study that and he was saying, we should uh because we can learn things from it about performance and about audience um but not necessarily the same things that we're going to learn from um broadway and and they so, so he's trying he was trying to to use it to level the playing field i think um i think for us yes we still can i think it is useful to do that but we've got to be mindful that that is what we are aiming to do um so that we are um we are looking at different comics from different areas, from different parts of the world. We can't just assume that they're going to conform to our visual style, whichever visual style is ours, You know, the collective, we, us, um, whoever that is, whoever you might be. Um, and I think you, you've got to be able to find a way of, of kind of bridging those gaps. Miss Ensemble will allow you to do that, um, but you, you just have to be conscious that that is what you're doing. <laughs>
0: Well, considering your, your archi- architectural background, your, your interest in set design and things like this, I really appreciated in the book that you gave a lot of space to talking about characters in the composition of the mise-en-scene. And you wrote that in, in comics, the paper actors can be understood through acting methodologies and a remapping of space through mise-en-scene means a remapping of space in comics. I really like this idea that we are looking at paper actors and also very quotable i found you wrote in comics the characters are made of the same material as the decor could you please elaborate on that on how the the staged are also the staging
1: yes certainly i think um like at 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 the core of this and probably what i'm alluding to in my head when i first wrote it um was um edward gordon craig who's an early 20th century um theater practitioner and um basically did two things. First, first of all, he, he, he kind of introduced the world to the idea of abstract symbolism in terms of stage design. Uh, and he um, introduced the world to the idea as well of uh, having a national theatre, um, uh, which, which was eventually realised, but not, not really within his lifetime. Um, what In terms of the abstract symbolism, what, one of the things he was convinced was a good idea. Uh, and he's a modernist now so, so he's he's writing he's writing like right back in the early 20th century t- turn of the 20th century uh and and he's he's writing about um he's writing about modernism and about his view about what theater could be and it's after it's after the point of of there being a crisis in representation where where in, in the theater where where drama uh begins to Begins to fall in on itself because it's becoming very heavily um, visually realist and and naturalisms around and realisms around and you know you know, talking about reproducibility in art, um, Benjamin's talking about um, the kind of mechanical reproduction uh, and there's there's Edward Gordon Craig that, thinking through his theatre that doesn't have any set doesn't doesn't have any backdrops no cloths um, but it has ramps and the impressions of, 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 forests and, and flats and, and moving scenery that, that are just blocks and things like that. And one of his ideas, um, was, uh, to have, um, Uber marionettes, um, which uh, instead of actors or the actors should act like Uber marionettes now in theater, this is hugely controversial and people hate this idea, <laughs> but, but basically what he was arguing for was for, for a director to exist. Um, because there were no directors, there were actor managers, um, and so so you know the person the person who paid everybody, who said what play they were doing, and who starred in the play was there was the manager of the theatre was also the main actor, and what he was saying was like this is no good. What we need is a director. Director would come along, and then the people on the stage would have to be like gigantic marionettes, um, and they would just do what the director said. And he he quite blithely says this, and was like. It's hugely controversial at the time. Um, he's he's hated for it, artistically exiled to Germany, uh, and to to Italy, and to just to, to be kind of errant in and around Europe and Russia. Um, and like not not at all wanted. And of course, like we think back on that, and we think, oh, that makes sense. That's what we've gotten right now. Um, but one of his one of his things was was to to treat the actors like puppets. Um, and in in puppetry, uh in in, in like in like contemporary puppetry which is like in 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 the uk and the us at least is based upon eastern european puppetry so um uh yeah yeah but basically the eastern european puppetry is just puppetry from from um uh, from romania from the czech region um or or, all that type of like traditional puppets from from there um so in uk there's a there's an idea about um about puppetry using puppets and the set design for puppets it's really interesting because it's made from the same material so so usually the design if you if you say you make a cardboard stage then your puppet would also be cardboard um and if you used like like sacking or, or cloth or something like that to cover your puppets then the props and the set design that you would use with it would also be covered in cloths and and fabric and things like that in the same way that um if you use the kind of um, Eastern European kind of like head rod puppets uh, with the, with the metal rod that goes into the top of the head, like like into the top of the head, a wooden puppet and that wooden puppets then highly painted Uh, the backdrops and scenery are also painted wood, engraved painted wood. Um, And that's, really interesting uh so i think what what i was suggesting there and what i got quite carried away with in my in my head um i didn't didn't put a lot of this in the book actually uh, but what i got quite carried away with in my head was the idea that um that the, these creatures of paper this creature papier from from um Grenstein, and this the idea of paper actors um is that that they would inevitably be made of the same material that their background is um and that again there's this idea that that there's entire worlds that are made from these creatures that are paper but they're you know their life their world their innards, the sky everything is paper um and i find that really freaky and really really fun um because they because the other thing is that they don't realize that um and i think that there's a bit in uh Simon Grenon's book where he says um that that they have you know they exist in this world and they have no they have the characters that exist in this world have no realization that they exist in this world, and that the the, the world is made of you know, like worlds are made of paper. It's like, yeah, of course it is. That's brilliant. I love that. Um, just because we're not made for the same scenery as um, as as the scenery is when we act in drama in on theatre on the stage or on film, um, it, it doesn't really mean that in count comics we can't be. And what what's what's fun then about that idea is that um, on film it's only, pl- it's pl- well, well, like on physical film, or digital or whatever, it's plastic. Um, so it's plastic and light passing through the film. And that's all we have left of that actor acting. So, you know, all this lost silent movies of 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 people in, in black and white or tinted into colour by hand or all that type of thing. That's all we have for those people, but they're made of plastic. Um, then, you know, they're, they're made of celluloid, uh, some of which are made of nitrate and will explode if exposed to heat. But, the, you know, they 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 have no realization of that, um, and it's just a really fun idea. So I, so I got carried away with it, but uh, but at the same time, there's there's something quite serious about the kind of materiality of that. That there's um uh there's, there's something there to be played with, and I think there's um oh what's the I can't remember what the what the comic is now the filth um, Grant Morrison's the filth. Um, there's a character in that that's come out of the pages of a comic, and he's horribly distorted and disfigured. Um, and he was a superhero in a comic book, and the 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 the, the he like captains a ship that that kind of plunges plunges into in and in out of that two dimensional comic, and it's a comic within a comic, and the, there's lots of kind of meta references to to kind of materiality in that, and it's just that's, like really interesting. I mean, in the Grant Morrison com- context, it, it's like it's used as a really sick joke, uh, but it's. Um, but, but in comics in general it's kind of like a, a fun and interesting way of thinking about stuff and and then ex- by extension that these that these things that we're looking at in in the comics are actually puppets of the of the of the artist of the drawer um, the people who are mark making um are are in complete control of the, over those things so that also then becomes a, an interesting way of thinking about it and one that I don't get to expand on um, about about the idea of puppetry and about of puppeting through things, um, but you know there's a lot of things I don't get to expand on because it's quite a, it's quite a short book. It was deliberately a short book, and I wanted to leave lots of meat on the bone. But you know, out there somebody could write a paper, a paper about poetry about not pu- poetry about puppetry and comics. <laughs>
0: All right. The challenge is up. Uh, we'll see if there are any takers. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, and you also talk about the materiality in the sense of um, you write that as we're reading, we get distracted by the hypotactic nestling of images within frames. And you say comfortably unfolding a realist plot. It sounds, it sounds uh, deceivingly comforting. Frame by comfortable frame, you say. Um, and you say that we're ignoring through this what you call the peripheral topographical narrative um could you please explain more about how the materiality of context uh, context materiality of comics plays into how we move through the narrative in the mise-en-scene
1: yes yeah i think like that that bit in particular is talking about um sandman requiem um where where we where we see a scene with the Corinthian, which is a, a psychopath demon with with, with mouths for eyes, um, like corner is next victim. Uh, so, so I'll come back to that in a second. I, th- I think when we read comics, um, we are fooling ourselves if we think that we read them one exclusive panel at a time. We absolutely do not. Um, I, think, I think you can't help but doing that. When you pick up a comic, you can riffle it. And when you riffle it, you see fragments. And those fragments are semiotically loud. I would say they're like properly shout out to you. Um, so as you riffle through a comic, as we do in the shop, just to see what it's like, you know, I'll grab this comic. Oh, I wonder what this is like. Well, oh, that looks good. I like the art of that. We've already got a bunch of a very loud semiotic information. We can't do that with a with a with a novel. We can't we can't pick up a novel and and, and riffle through it and go. Oh yeah, I like the look of that that font. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick this book. Unless of course it's something like House of Leaves or something by Jeff Vandermeer or something like that, in which case we might go, Well, if this is doing unusual things, there's like at least eight pages of complete blankness in this, right in the middle. Um, but it's not necessarily something that we're gonna gonna do with a novel. But in comics, we riffle it, we see it, it shouts at us. Um, therefore, when we're reading the page, it's tempting to to talk analytically and and kind of um uh, with, with precision in terms of mise-en-scene of just like I'll just look at this one panel and, comp- and, and just the detail of this one panel and I'll ignore the rest of the thing that I'm holding in my hands because I can't see everything else I'll have tunnel vision just for this for panel four on the right hand page and all the other panels around it I'm going to ignore that's this rubbish you, you don't there are, if you've got a double page spread and you start at the top left and you're holding it in your hands, double, double open in the peripheral of your vision. There's the visual narrative surprise down in the bottom right-hand corner. Um, so you save your surprise for over the page or for the reveal of turning. Um, and you like lots of comics writers, comics artists will, will talk about this. I've got to have that reveal over this side of the page because it's a reveal. So there, there's a, if, if if we can acknowledge that that is happening then we must also acknowledge that there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happening on the page that we're taking in as we read it but also there's there's this juggling between um kind of a prospective and a retrospective uh narrative gaining of things so, so um like me- meaning settles like sediment in a river um where, where it's like you're flowing in the river and not that like it's all muddy uh, but eventually things will settle and when it settles it settles in piles and narrative is like that um, so narrative understanding is like that so you're reading at the top left panel but by the bottom right panel you have a better idea of the story and a different understanding of what actually happened in the top left panel um, and that's happening all the time uh, and I think what I, what strikes me about uh, about this and it's a lovely double page spread in, in um, Sandman Requiem is that you're reading these panels about this story and he starts kind of going, oh God, is this the Corinthian? Because obviously Requiem's after all of the other Sandman books, so you'll know who who the Corinthian is. And you go, oh God, is this the Corinthian? Back in time, like in a different time period than we've seen him. Oh, oh no, he's going to kill this guy. Um, And as you're looking through the panels, what starts to dawn on you is that what you're actually looking at is that each panel is the shape of a tooth and each of those teeth are within the eye of the corinthian and you are looking at the open eye of the corinthian who's looking at you um and that that's that creeps up on you and it's beautiful um i mean it's not beautiful it's really horrific and really scary uh but it's 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 such a beautiful moment where you, where all this meaning has kind of like filtered into your subconscious because what you're drawn to is the panel and the peripheral kind of creeps up and it gets creepier and creepier Piece of, like genius piece of art. It was really, really good. Um, so, so I had to stick that in the book. That was that was, I love I love that page. That that kind of double page thing is brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah, excellent example. Yeah, uh, very powerful spread right there, um, and. Uh, the other thing that you're jumping around a lot, or I, I hear you bringing in so many different disciplines, and uh, um, this is the the first time you've, you've spoken a bit more about specifically comics. Uh, and in your book, you walked a very challenging, I think, tightrope between different disciplines. So what other fields do you hope might read your book or use the concepts there? It's in a series for comic studies um but i'm hearing so much theater film tv set design
1: but there is yeah it was yeah i'm a, I'm a sucker for doing interdisciplinary things uh because it means that, that i get to look at lots of things that excite me rather than just one thing um and i think um what's what was tricky about the book was to co- to try and constantly talk to comics and to write about comics um but in order to apply, it, like to, you know, to get to the right to the heart of the mise en scene problem and the space problem, um, had to then for talk about acting as well. Um, it's like how how do I how do I bring all those things in just to talk about comics? So try to make all the comics examples as, as sort of clear as I could and central to what I was talking about. So there's 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 no film or television or theater analysis actually in it I very rarely use examples of that I just I just look at the comics stuff but in terms of the theory um I do kind of say some um some things which in in comic studies is like revelatory and hopefully and, and really really useful uh, and in film and television and in theater might actually be quite controversial um and um uh hope hopefully if if anyone from from if any of my performance studies colleagues or film studies colleagues will properly read this book, I think I'm saying some pretty big things about en Sen that hasn't actually been said for a while. Um, or or not said all in one place together. And I think at heart I am I am a theoretician. I like I like theory and I want to write about theory. Um and and less of a kind of scholar researcher. Obviously you have to do scholarly research type things to kind of to do that type of stuff but I, I like I like theory I like trying to break new ground with stuff so I would I would hope that somebody writing about mise-en-scene would find this useful uh because of the because of the survey that I do about mise-en-scene because of the 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 arguments that I make about what mise-en-scene does and how it can be constructed or what it could do um I would hope that someone in television and film studies would be able to be able to use that. I don't. I think it expands on some of my theories about um, film and television set design and and upon some ideas of scenography. Um, uh, in particular, as well, like I'm quite happy with the chapter on acting um, because one of the problems with contemporary writing on acting is that it's still. After a hundred years or so of doing, it, it's still about actors' methodologies, not actually about criticising acting or how, or how to approach or break down what acting is successful or what acting is doing or, or the like how to analyse acting. Um, so the the section on acting, I hope, would actually be useful. And, and I'd, you know... Working in university, you sometimes get the benefit of being able to put it on your reading list and I do do it. I do a a thing on working with actors, and I do put that on the reading list. It's like just read these five pages because these five pages sum up the problem with kind of people's writing about acting hitherto, and and what we can do in order to analyze it. So, and I think that's quite that's quite interesting. Um, and I think if you're um, if you're interested in space, uh, not as in outer space, but as in kind of like um poetic space aesthetic space um i think it's kind of useful in in terms of in terms of that um because of the discussion of ideas of 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 um ideas of kind of semiotic importance of space the architectural space um the the difference you know the idea of moving through spaces and experiencing things and how that appears across different media um which is yeah, I get I get really interested in that it, 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 it for me there's a danger there of, of being waxing too philosophical so I try to avoid that and I try to make it applicable um because I think I'm, I'm probably a few decades away from being able to write philosophically about space but I do I do really find it interesting
0: uh great and uh as you were trying to keep the book lean uh as you said was there any section or single idea in the book that you feel like you would have wished to give more space to or that you could possibly expand to a whole additional monograph
1: yeah I think um I think despite making sure that there was lots of stuff about comics in it I think what I could do is do more comics case studies more comics analysis for things and and use the uh, use the methodology of looking at mise-en-scène acting um or, or or the methodologies of looking at space in order to then start talking about different ideologies um so there's you know this this there are there are lots of there are lots of ways of using it and i want to start applying it to to stuff so, so that, that i want i probably want to do something that's more about case studies and in in fact since since writing the book i've done papers on i've done papers on stuff that, that um that i want to explore in more detail using this analysis and i think just generally championing with mis- analysis in in that way is, is that way is good but there's there's also stuff that i you know i had to i had to kind of go okay i've done enough of that i need to move on i had a I I I i kind of really tantalize Tantalisingly, you talk about words at the end of the mise-en-scene chapter and then i leave it for an entire chapter while we talk about acting before we because because you know i can introduce words but then we've got to talk about actor the people delivering the words um and then and then i can talk about words again at the end in the space because of where it occupies the thing there's more there's loads more to say about words and the position of words and the position of dialogue um uh, with within within a comic or how how we perceive it, um, but all that's tied up with the acting as well. And I just don't, I didn't have r- room to fully expand on that, and I, I would like to expand on that. Um, and I think the uh, the other thing, and this this came up in um this came up in a criticism of of the um of the book. Uh, just, like it was one of the few criticisms. Really good, really lovely review actually by um, Jennifer uh, um, it which was in. Um, to do studies in comics um and uh she said that um i don't talk about animation uh and uh like yeah i don't talk about it anim- i talk about film i talk about theater i talk a little bit about television occasionally uh but i don't talk about animation and that's because if even though even though i do think about animation and i've you know i've written stuff and thought through things about um ghost in the shell stuff like that i know that animation studies is very very different from film studies and the one thing i know that i've done enough reading about is to know that i do not know enough about animation studies to to just apply mise-en-scene to to animation um that that's that's for someone who's an animation study scholar to do uh because then they can then they can look at adaptation and stuff like that and that is not me not yet um I know enough to know that if I conflate animation and film I will get killed by my animation colleagues uh, so so I, so I avoid doing it <laughs> because that's that's um yeah that's an essentialism too far so so i'm gonna gonna avoid doing that and I think um uh but but this you know the that that review said some really interesting things about um about animation and about about the applicability of it and i think I think with things like you know some really exciting adapt adaptations in animation at the moment, like the Spider Verse stuff. Really good in terms of animation, are really really clever and exciting. And I don't near, know nearly enough about it to to be able to write confidently. So so I didn't write about that, but but someone should, and someone should write about paper pu- paper puppets as well, paper actors. Um, that would be that would also be good. I will probably end up writing about puppetry and comics. though. um, so you you've got to race me to it.
0: Um, is there a particular comic that you'd really like to do one of these deep dive case studies on that you haven't had a chance to to go through yet?
1: Um, you know what? I don't. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Um, kind of have thought about it. Haven't thought about it. I like. Um, I'm. I keep. I keep coming back to Hellboy. Um, I'd like the the early Hellboy comics. I I like have I have a chapter written about Hellboy in everything I've written, and. And every time I cut it, because I'm like, I can't keep. No, no, I've I've got to remove this because it's just getting really big. And I think if I probably collected all the things together, I've written about Hellboy, oh I'd probably have something really decent to do. And it's just occurring to me now that I should have done that last year, and I should have just done that. But um, uh, yeah, Hellboy, I would look at um, I, I really like I really like Mobius, um, but I'm using Mobius in in different ways at the moment, and I, I think I would probably want to have a look at that. I'd also find that kind of problematic um for, for like, like obvious obvious reasons it hasn't aged well in some ways um and in lots of ways actually um and there's um enki balal as well um i, I really like I, i've i've thought through some ideas of the biogothic in terms of enki balal and and i've done a paper on that And i really should write that up it's just finding the finding the time and the inspiration to to, to remember to do
0: it <laughs> I look forward to reading your hypothetical book on Hellboy. Um, could you please uh, share with our our listenership what are you working on now? What are you excited about?
1: Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a good year for comics, I think, for comic studies. Um, not just because I'm not because just I'm going to do things, but just in general, it's because we're a couple of years out now from COVID and, and things are getting back to normal. Um, so um, I'm off. I'm off to Comics Forum in Leeds in November. Um, and I'm going to present a practices research paper about, ad- about adapting um about adaptation and um with my own drawings in it with my with my adaptation of um of a 1980s science fiction flop um so there was a there was a film called slipstream um which should have been a marvelous film and was an absolute box office disaster um it's like re- really really horrifically bad film and um I love it and I'm going to adapt it to, into a comic um, because because it'll t- tell me things about adaptation about about drawing and I'm learning a lot of stuff about that. Um, having to draw hands, uh, yeah. Um, so it's um, so I'm kind of like w- working on that at the moment. That's quite exciting. Um, I'm also helping host um, the um, International Graphic Novels and Comics Conference um, in which will be in Norwich uh, this year or next year in in 2024. Um, which is my institution at the moment. And that's, um, that's exciting. So getting that that together with the, with the committee for that. And that's about um, different uses of technology. And for that, I'm gonna go back to um, some of my um, really early stuff on theatre technology. And um, I've been working on a comic um, that explains what the course of Contrap was, um, which is a, an extremely elaborate piece of stage machinery um, and and so i'm going to both practice as research stuff again i suppose um but also um kind of applied comics type thing but there's some really interesting things there because it's it's about stage machinery but it also requires staging um and it, it's about a particular type of technology um which which um which is, has a very close place in the center of my heart um because i wrote my phd about the Corsican trap, but amongst other devices. So, so I'm going to go back to that and have another look at that and sort of keep working on that. Um, what else am I going to do? No, I think that's about it. I've got, I've always got lots of ideas bubbling away, but um, time, <laughs> time and will, and yeah, having enough time to sort of do those things often gets in the way.
0: I completely understand. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking with you and uh, heard some really excellent insights about the books and uh, got in the weeds about all the fun things that you didn't even get the time and space to, to add into the book. So I, I really appreciate your time today. Thank and you. Uh, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for asking me. It's been, it's been really fun. Thank you.